Ian is a former executive with the NHLPA. I hope I say that properly, Ian. Uh, and then uh, did that for about 15 years and uh, transitioned from that to a player agent. Uh, his, his company is called Will uh, Sports Group. It's, sorry, I say my internet connection is a little bit uh, crappy, but hopefully. Uh, the Will Sports Group, and he's a very good friend of mine. So a few uh, highlights of Ian, we met, we probably met about 15 years ago and uh, became very good friends. And, and the reason I like Ian so much is that he, he's got a lot of values that I have. We share a lot of the same values. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, very knowledgeable in hockey, very connected in hockey, very well-respected in hockey. So every, every time we, uh, you know, I like it. I, I'm a big believer that who you hang out, of the people that you hang out with. And, and Ian's someone that I, I enjoy spending a lot of time with. And, um, and, and I think that's why we're here today. So um, he, Ian's, been, Ian's been on Sportsnet, Sports, TSN, a lot of all this hockey talk or hockey talk channels because he's so well-respected in the game of hockey. Uh, and, and, and really, I could talk about this all day. Through his agency, um, you know, some of, a few of his top players that he has currently, I'm not going to go into all of them, I'll just name three. We got Tyler Sagan and uh, Miro Heiskanen from uh, the Dallas Stars, Thomas Shabbat from the uh, Ottawa Senators. And uh, these are just, just to name a few. So having said all that, uh, I mean, I could introduce Ian forever, but I'm not going to do that because we just want to talk here. I want to leave it for Ian. So, Ian. Yes. What I'd like you to do for, for everybody is just to explain, uh, maybe go back a few years. You started, uh, when you got out of university, you started uh, in the hockey world and uh, ended up with the NHLPA. Explain what your role was there, what you did, and maybe what you learned from it, and then how that transi transitioned into becoming a player agent. Sure, uh, Andy, uh, thanks for uh, having me um, and uh, appreciate it and look forward to uh, talking with you today. I um, uh, you, you, you forgot to mention that we also have a lot of laughs together, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, on the, on the video, I'm like Joe Professional. Right, right. <laughs> we do, yeah, we laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah, we laugh a lot. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I spent, I, I, I went to law school, I went to, did my undergrad at the University of Western Ontario, then I did law school at the University of British Columbia, graduated in 1990 uh, from the University of British Columbia, and all right from the get-go, I went right to work at the National Hockey League Players Association, the NHLPA represents all the current um, uh, current uh, and future members of the uh, of the players of the NHL. Um, back when I went there, there were only 21 NHL teams. Now there's 31. And um, since that time, I spent from 1990 to 2006 at the NHL Players Association, and I was the main contact person for the NHL hockey players um, in the NHL, also future and also some former past members. Uh, I developed close relationships with them over time. I was involved in three collective bargaining agreements, including a strike in 1992, which was the first player strike ever. And then 1994 and 2004 uh, NHL owner lockouts. Uh, the last one in 2000, and four canceled the entire 2000, I think it was 2000, yeah, 0405 season. And um, after that, I went on to start my own agency. Um, 
know, some of my duties or a lot of them have had it were legal in nature. I have a law background, but sort of my skill and specialty was interacting with the players and uh, making sure that they were properly represented at the time by their agents and also making sure that they had whatever questions or concerns or grievances or problems with the NHL clubs, uh, I helped them out and uh, represented them. So now you decide to be an agent. Now, that was obviously, well, I don't know obviously, but that was a, a, a pretty good transition based on, you must have looked at it and said, okay, I know all these players. I know what I could do for them. Uh, got good relationships. Was that like somewhat of an easy decision to make? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was a natural uh, segue from going from NHLPA where we represented all the players to then going and working for individual players um, so that um, they, uh, it was different work, a lot different work. I mean, you, you, as at the NHLPA, we represented 750 plus players. Um, as an agent, you start from scratch and build your own company, which I chose to do and represent individual players, some which made it, some which didn't make it. And, um, you know, that's the challenges of being a player and also a challenge of, of being a, a, a successful agent. Right on. Are you allowed to say who your first uh, player that you represented was? Well, at the time, my first, the first couple players came to me in different ways. One was Brian McCabe, whose agent left the business to go work for the Los Angeles Kings. Right. Um, and I knew Brian from my union days and um, had a good relationship with him. Um, the second one was Scott Gomez, um, who played for the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, Montreal Canadiens, and other teams, hired me um, with his father, who was an agent at the time, who then since stepped down as an agent. And then um, those were two of the first. Michael Camilleri was a third. Um, and then I had other younger players um, that I started to work with. Um, 91 borns, 92 borns, 93 borns were the first wave of players. Yeah, and that's when you and I, when you first started, that's when you and I kind of hooked up and started right. to know each other. That's yeah, yeah, right around 90, uh, right around 2007, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's funny, interesting, like before we get into the meat of this thing, it's interesting because the the, the parallels of uh, building a business and being a hockey player and all the things always comes, comes down to the same principles. Right. And I've watched you as you have watched me build our businesses together and uh, to watch what you've done with your business has been incredible. And you know, all the, all the TV time you get and all these different things, it's been incredible. So it's, it's great to see, bud. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been challenging, but fun at the same time. In fact, one of our one of the first guys that me and you came across was Mitch Dunning, who is now yeah. an NHL referee. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely, and, and he's done really well. Yeah, and and there's a perfect example of uh, a player who was um, hardworking guy, hard nosed from uh, the Windsor area, um, played in the OHL, realized that he, I think he broke his leg, is my recollection. Mm -hmm. Broke his leg, cracked his knee, tore all the ligaments. It was like terrible. Yeah. But now he's gone on to make a great career as a as a NHL official and should work now for uh, who knows 10, 15, 20 years doing that. Oh yeah, uh, he's done unreal. He, unreal. He's done it on on the fast track. He's uh, I mean he works out at my gym. 
Okay. And he's just, it's just like being a player. And it's the same, it's the exact same thing. You start from the bottom, you work your way up. And I think he's at 13 or 14 games this year. Right. So, yeah. He's on the fast track. It's awesome. Yeah. Good, so, good example. Yeah. So, okay. So we got, uh, we got people on here with, and there's, here's the biggest question. I could take question and answers right now, but I already know what the first question is going to be. And I want to keep this as an agent. So Ian, you and I know all the time people are, uh, people look at the game and, uh, for the most part, with no disrespect to anybody at all, people really don't understand the game. So what, before we get into that, when we look at agents, a lot of people are thinking like, I need an agent at 16. Uh, what does an agent do? And they're, they're just really misinformed. You also have people out there that are, that act, uh, that represent players that probably give false information and tell people uh, things that aren't really true. So, to, to wrap that big sentence up in a, in a, in a nutshell, who needs an agent? What does an agent do? Why do you need an agent? When should I get an agent? Can you go through that? Sure. Um, well, it's a good question. I mean, there's not one real right answer for anybody. I mean, it all depends on uh, the situation of the player, the family, how much knowledge they have, what their goals and aspirations are. And um, at the end of the day, um, what they're really looking for. And so um, if someone could have an agent and need help from as early as, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. Um, we just recruited a player and, and um, who was 21 years old and, and just graduated from NCAA college and is playing um, pro hockey now. And he got through it all on his own. Um, so it all depends, but you know, it also depends on what the definition of an agent is, right? And what 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 the expectations are from the agent and also the family and exactly what you said. What is the agent telling you? I mean, really at the end of the day, the agent is only as good as the player. Um, but the agents, if you're finding the right people who can communicate you the right messages um, and you want to listen, then having a good confidant, a good um, person in your corner um, can do a lot of help and help you evolve as a player and a person on and off the ice. Right. So at, uh, so someone that gets drafted to the OHL, like, like someone that would need an agent, like, okay, let's go to the OHL. Um, someone gets drafted at 16, 17 years old. Is there any, is there is actually a, like legally or like for contracts and stuff? I know they spill it up, spill it out pretty good. Is there anything that, that an agent can do at that point that actually helps a player? Well, I think a, an agent, a good agent can help um, earlier than that, helping the, the player decide whether, you know, they want to be an OHL junior hockey player or a U.S. college player. Um, what the differences are, what you need to know. You know, you can't be an agent to a college hockey player. You can be a family advisor. Um, so there's a lot of different things that attach to it. But um, the messaging is key, um, you know. And, yeah, they can help with the OHL contract at the time um, and help guide and advise. But the bigger issue is, you know, the messaging of, you know, the training, the mindset, um, the communication to the family and the player, what's important, what's not important, how to train, 
how to go to school, you know, and realize that it's a long journey. So the navigation through the um, uh, early, early years of, of the hockey career, finding that right person could help a lot. Okay, so kind of sticking with that a little bit, we had a conversation uh, a couple months ago or a month ago, something like that, about um, promoting a player. You're telling me one of your, I, I mean, we get this a lot. I get the same question. How does my son get promoted? Should he get in? And, and you know, it's, uh, it's incredible how like someone is not getting uh, maybe ranked as high as they think they are. They hear where they're getting ranked and they start listening to all the, all the stuff, which may or may not be true. Um, so they're like, I, I need to get an agent. And what their, their concept of that is they need to get an agent so that they're promoted and they know what's coming up. And we had a conversation a, a while back where you were telling me one of, one of your kids, um, there's two stories actually. There's one that wanted to move up to play junior somewhere. And you're saying he wasn't necessarily dominating his league. Uh, and then there was another one you were talking about where the dad said, uh, Ian, we need you to promote us more, or I don't even know if you're his agent, and you gave him some advice of how to be promoted. Right. Uh, conversations? Uh, kind of. I mean, he, it, they happen every day, right? And so, you know, it's the same story. It's like the long and short of promotion is the player really promotes himself, right? That's what I was looking for. And, right. Yeah. You know, and so um, especially at the, at the Bantam and the minor midget level, like, is that player competing start to finish? Is that player moving his feet? Is that player prepared? Is he aware? Does he know what's going on? Um, you know, a minor midget game is 315s and you the player ends up playing, a good player would end up playing maybe if he's lucky, 18 to 20 minutes, maybe 22 minutes, half the game, a defenseman possibly. Um, forward a little less, but some of the top forwards end up getting double shifted and whatnot. And so that's that's the foray into promotion. You know, um, is the player ready? Is the player competing? Does the player have good body language? Is the player scoring goals? Is this player defending? Is he, you know, know how to play the game? Is he well conditioned? You know, in today's day and age with all the scouting that goes on, in the OHL um, for the OHL or US college, that promotion is every time a player steps on the ice and, you know, promote and then over promote and then find an agent to say, yeah, do me a favor and take my guy. And then the guy's not ready and he gets there and you know, Andy, you played, it's like first impressions are always lasting impressions. In today's day and age, um, especially with these coaches that all want to coach to win, so promotion is is a is a big big word. But usually, you have to look within yourself and within the family to really find that you have the ability to promote yourself every single time that you're playing a game, and really all the work that goes behind that is you know, um, your day-to-day -day training, your day-to-day -day practice, your day-to-day -day going to school. Yeah, and that's what, uh, you know, it, it really, it's always good to talk to you about stuff like this because I know, like, it, it, I know this stuff, you know this stuff. A lot of people are looking at, like, they think it's someone that, if you tell, tell people how great my kid is, then they're going to look at, they're going to notice them. But as you said, if you're not doing it on your own as a hockey player, 
going out every shift, playing the best shift that you can and, and, and doing everything right, then I could have you in my back pocket all day. But if, 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 if I'm not doing my part, it doesn't work anyways. No, and, and any agent that can say, well, I can get your son or I can promote a player somewhere, really the scouts come in and watch and see the 15 to 18 shifts a game. And really, you know, you, you spend all day um, you wake up and then you have all the hours and then you get ready and then you go to the rink and then you go in an hour early and then you play for 15 to 18 to 20 minutes, whether you got 15 shifts or 20 shifts or you got six shifts a period, you know, that's the promotion. That's the fun of hockey and that's what players need to really understand yeah, at okay. the younger age group yeah so 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 basically we have a lot of parents that follow puck face hockey um would you would it fair to say don't get hung up don't major in the minors don't don't worry about who's your agent uh who's looking the bottom line is i guess the best advice is to to be encouraging to your son or daughter to show up every day be the best player and if you do the right thing if you're good enough someone will find you yeah, someone, no one's hidden anymore. So, you know, Absolutely. You know, but, but you know, maybe the, the kid that is sort of minding his own business at his own pace, who's evolving, who's developing great habits, great discipline, eating right, sleeping right, working on a shot, you know, working on the game, studying the game, who's not as good or not fully grown or is just sort of slowly on his own timetable, he may be the hidden guy that passes everybody by, right? And, 100%. you know, you can't peak, you know, you peak as a 14 or a 15 year old and stop working and stop evolving. You know, um, there's lots of other players that are just getting started. And yeah. so by the time they become 15, 16, 17, 18, there's tons of stories of, you know, players that, what? Who is that? Where did he come from? Right? And, you know, I would encourage your, your listeners to snap on a, um, um, you know, an NHL um, depth chart and just sort of study of like, where are these players coming from? And, you know, how old were they made when they make it, made it? I mean, there were a couple of great stories of undrafted players playing in the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. Um, that, I don't know all the NFL players, but, you know, you listen to the announcers and one wide receiver was undrafted and one running back was undrafted and, you know, no one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Absolutely. And that's, um, yeah. So, so if your son, you know, I find it sometimes uh, um, not difficult, but uh, I feel for people sometimes that, that, that the younger guy, the smaller guy that, you know, they, other kids are playing really well. They, you know, they've been hairy since they're 12 years old and obviously physically more mature. And then you got this little guy or, you know, it's just lagging a little bit behind. That's just trying to keep up. But then eventually, like you just said, if that kid keeps working and keeps playing and doing the right things, he, he has just as much of a chance. It just might not be the glory from 14 to 18 years old. Right. Yeah. That Anthony Sorelli, I think in Tampa yeah. Bay was one of those guys, you know, they're, they're yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So Ian, if you got, uh, one of the one of the good talks that I like uh, that that you talk about is uh, when you how you, if you brought all the teams in here, NHL teams, and you could fill the seats in the arena, uh, just to explain how 
difficult it is to make the NHL. And, well, uh, and then right. that filter that you talk about, how, yeah. how, how we can you go through that for me? Yeah, sure. I mean, the odds of the, 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 the this is against the backdrop of no one knows who's going to make the NHL, right? So you could be first round pick, you could be a seventh round pick, or you could be not drafted. You don't, who knows who's going to make it, right? Because the, the the odds the odds are are to for any of those players to make it are are enormous but at the same time no one can tell anybody that they're not going to make it and everybody should pursue their goals and dreams and um, I have I represent five players that are playing in the NHL that were never drafted um, so I'm not one to say to anyone hey you know, or a scout or a coach is no one can say whether someone's going to make it or not, but what, what everybody's up against. I mean, the perfect example is down your way, you know, you can fly 31 NHL teams um, into Detroit metropolitan airport tomorrow, put 31 buses on the ground and come down across the border and um, 31 buses can un uh, uh, unload and um, I don't know, 800 or 850 or 900 NHL hockey players, you know, um, can all stay in the uh, uh, Caesars Casino Two Towers. The, and, and, and there'll be rooms left over, okay? Yep. Um, and so I don't know if most of your listeners are down your way, but yeah. Okay, well, yep. those that are down your way, they can drive by the Caesars Windsor every time they see that one hotel in the world and know that every NHL player can sleep comfortably in that, that, that casino tower. Um, you know, go to the Windsor um, rink. Uh, what do they call it these days? The WFCU, or you can actually yeah, the use, WFC use huh? the arena. You can use the arena that I'm at, the Tecumseh Arena. Yeah, and you know, uh, if across from the benches, there's probably about a thousand seats, or not even, or or more than a thousand seats. You know, two or three sections. You could sit every NHL player in those sections, and so the 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 player's goal is how do I get a seat? You know, what do I have to do to get a seat? You know, and there's 57 OHL, uh, 57 NCAA programs, or 60, and. I don't know how many OHL and Quebec teams and Western League teams, but like we've talked about, it all gets funneled down to 31 NHL teams, 31 American Hockey League teams, so many defenseman jobs, so many forward jobs, and that's the challenge for an athlete to um, find one of those seats, one of those beds, wherever it may be, and um, that's what they're up against. Yeah, so... So, the, the, and the way that you put it, the first time I ever talked to you about uh, about this was, there's a lot of guys that don't want to give that seat up. Oh yeah, Zidane <laughs> Charles. Well, I mean, my favorite, my favorite was Chris Chelios, who played, I believe, till he was 46 or 48 years yeah. old. Yeah. And um, you know, he wasn't. You'd have to fight him and beat him up and take him out to get his seat in the lodge. Or Zidane Chara, who still fights to this day you know, 40 or 41 years old, like is remarkable. So there's only so many seats that come up to, to be had each year. And um, so that's how difficult it is. But, 
You know, if you're going to tell um, Curtis McDermott or Barkley Goodrow or Matt Irwin, a couple of guys I represent that were never drafted, that they had no chance of getting a seat or, or, or a seat in the lodge, they would have not listened because they, they proved everybody wrong. And there's lots of other guys like that. Yeah. Okay. So I want a seat. I'm a kid. The parents that are listening or the kids that are listening right now, I want a seat. And uh, my mom and dad and my coach doesn't even really know what it takes. I want to play hard. I want to do things. Ian, I just met you for the first time. You're going to give me the advice uh, uh, because you've, you've seen players for the last, uh, what's 90 to 20, 25 years come from junior college to the NHL. What do, what do I need to do as a player to get there? Uh, what, are the, what are the habits, maybe the traits, and maybe even the pitfalls that keeps them out or doesn't allow them in? Uh, it's a, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, you got to be a good person, good character. Um, I know these are cliches, but in the hockey world, they hold hold the line. I, I, as you say that, like I love every time someone says that because honestly, people hear the word "be a good person," and they, like you said, it's a cliche and it goes in one ear and out the other many times. But the more that I talk to, like you know, Dalton was in here working out with me this morning. And it always comes back to that good guy in the room, a good person. It makes the difference of, uh, of being a great teammate. And I think people have to really understand that, that you do actually have to be a good person. Yeah, I mean, the coach, coaches at, at, at each level you go, and starting in Bantam, minor midget, into OJ, OHL or provincial junior, or um, then you climb the ladders to the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL. Everybody wants to win. Right. And nobody wants got people in their locker rooms, especially the coaches that aren't going to listen to them, buy in, be good teammates, um, be good people, be good people around to everyone, the staff that are working at the rinks, at the administrative offices, you know, the, the, the concession stands. They don't want they, they, No one has time to deal with um, people that aren't good. Um, and so character and um, not so characters in whatever you do, um, be a fireman, policeman, doctor, lawyer, um, whatever you decide to do, work in service, um, um, you have to have good character and you got to develop it in the locker rooms and be good, good people. Um, you have to be disciplined. Um, all the cliches you can think of, show up on time, you know, be the first one there, the last to leave, eat right, sleep right. If you can't do your grade 9, 10, or 11 math homework or your geography, then how are you going to be ready to play in the OHL or the NHL or the American League or wherever you go if you can't get your assignments done on time? Because that's just getting you ready to be an NHL or a pro hockey player or a junior hockey player. If you're not on time and you can't perform under pressure, um, I like to say sometimes if you can't do your grade 11 geography, how are you going to play um, for a pro hockey coach? Um, you got to get things done right. You got to get them on time and you got to exercise your mind. Um, so all the little things that you can think of, um, you gotta you gotta build routine and discipline 
early so that you won't be like everybody else. Right. Um, so, and, and now how about, uh, you know, you've talked about, uh, you said if, if, if when you're talking to a younger guy and, and, and say, if I were you at your age, and if you really wanted to play in the NHL, here are things that I would do to make myself better. You, Besides, you, you, you have a good memory. Dude, I listen, like, Right. It's what I, how I think, right? So it's not. Right. It's like we're right. we're just bouncing uh, right. cells together here. So but, uh, right. Yeah. So if I was if I was a if I was a fourteen year old or a fifteen year old, and I wanted to put myself in the best possible position to go play in the OHL or you know try and garner um, a uh, scholarship, a fourteen or fifteen year old or whoever. Um, yeah, hey, you know, every day you got to get yourself better. And it starts the moment you wake up. And this is a huge commitment. And you can't be like all the other grade eight or grade nine or grade 10 kids at school. Um, you need to have a plan. You need to, you know, um, you know, strengthen your body and your mind. And so as soon as you roll out of bed, you know, are you doing your push-ups? Are you doing your sit-ups? Are you you know, um, doing your chin-ups? Um, are you doing those little things? Are you eating the right breakfast? Are you getting to school on time? You know, what are you doing after school? Are you coming home? Do you have practice that night? If you have practice, are you doing your homework? Um, and then going to practice and then coming home and maybe watching some highlights on TV and then possibly doing a stretching routine at the end of the day. Um, if you don't have practice, what are you doing after school? Are you going to hang out with your buds in a basement, play video games, or are you going to come home and work on your shot? Are you going to come home and go for a mile run? You know, how fast can you do the mile run or the two-mile run? Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are coached by John Tortorella, and they all have to do a two-mile <laughs> run at the beginning of training camp where they can't get on the ice. I don't know if Dalton Prote was coached by Tortorella. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. He calls him the angry midget. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, the, he does certain things for a reason to make sure that um, that may have nothing to do with the actual game, but has everything to do with the actual mental preparation of being ready. And, you know, um, the sooner and earlier you can develop this discipline of doing things right and, you know, doing the extra, the better chance that you'll, you may have to make something out of hockey, whether it's school education or, you know, actually being paid. Um, but there's no one recipe and there's no, I don't want anybody to think, hey, if you do this, this is yeah. going to happen. This yeah. is just all like putting yourself into the best possible position to have success. Yeah, like I'll tell you. So Dalton's been down here. He's been nursing an injury. He's actually going back to San Jose on Sunday. Um, and uh, we've been talking a lot. Like obviously we're lifting some weights and we're good buddies anyways. We've been talking a lot. He did a webinar with me last week. Um, and with the guys, you know this all the time, but talks about how hard it is to actually get there and how hard it is to stay there. And like the daily grind, uh, you know, people look at the NHL like, oh, who wouldn't want to do that because you're making millions of dollars and uh, you're living your dream. But what happens is 
when people look at an NHL player, it's typically they're looking at, when they think of an NHL player, they were talking about the first three guys I talked about that you represent, right? Heisken and Segan and Shabbat. Those are the high-end guys that uh, they're kind of like Ferraris, right? And uh, they still work very, very hard, but, the, but they're great players. But the, the, the vast majority of National Hockey League players are guys that have to show up every day and bring it every day like and that means hard 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 in practice work right. Eat, right if they don't cho- if they choose to come to the rink and not really uh uh show up that day uh they could be losing their job i mean harder to get rid of someone that's making six seven eight nine million dollars but they could be losing their job so i love that advice with about just being ready because you actually don't know how hard this game actually is even at the ohl level ohl in college is extremely hard and, and, and the other thing, the big thing is it's not always going to go your way. And so, no. you know, you may be or you may think that you are the best, but the coach may not think that or the coach may just want to send a message to you. And it's how yeah. you react and respond to the coach, you know, early in your career, whether it's in Bantam, minor midget, OHL, that prepares you for um, what, you know, um, the John Tortorellas of the world. Right. Yeah. And the other, um, you know, disciplinarians out there who all really they're they don't no one goes no one goes to the rink to purposely screw a player. Um, but sometimes you just get caught in the shrapnel and, you know, um, it's how you respond, react and, and and battle through adversity to make you a better person, a better player and withstand, um, you know, the rigors. I just was with a couple um, players um, who are younger that um, are new, uh, newer to the NHL, and um, they they commented on the, how tough it is to travel and to arrive in different cities uh, late yeah. at night, and you know the sleep patterns, and and even the veterans say the same thing. And so it's you know it's not just really the easy part is you know the the sixty minute game. Um, yeah. You know that they're out there, and that's what the fans see. But all the work behind the scenes, you know, to prepare them for those um, games is is what for younger players. The sooner, the better they get into routine and discipline and being good people. Yeah. So I know you're going to have to go in a few minutes, and uh, kind of sticking to that, I'm going to give you one more loaded question. Uh, saying all that kind of stuff. Um, kids have to be ready. You never know what is going to happen. So I want to take it as a parent. If you're, if you're talking to me, Andy Pocket as a parent, right? You know, my son. And if, uh, I know there's a lot of, and it, I mean, it's innocent and they're just trying to do the best for their kid. At the end of the day, the, the child has to make it. I see a lot of parents, you know, trying to, trying to massage every move that their kid makes and you're, you're you know, get out and shoot your pucks and they'll bring them to, you know, a, a private lesson and, and trying to do all these things. But the bottom, the bottom line is the child has to want it more than the, the mom and dad. Um, but it's a hard thing to do as a parent sometimes. And I get caught up in it a little bit. Sometimes I go, Oh man, is my, is my kid want as bad as I, I used to want it. So I think, um, so as a parent, is there, is, can you tell them to, and I'm not being, I'm not saying this in an asshole way. Can you tell them to relax? Can you tell them, like how can I be a good hockey dad or mom? Oh, it's you know every family unit's different, right? And so um, it, it all depends on that. And so 
I mean, you, the, you can be a hockey family by supporting, providing, um, teaching, you know, um, character, respect, um, and also discipline um, and being on time and um, showing up and, um, you know, it's not just all kick gloves, but it's a very fine line of like, you know, providing structure, education of, you know, instilling, you know, drive and work ethic and, you know, pointing examples of um, different good things around the world and educating and things like that. But you can't play for the player. Um, you can't play for your son. You can't want it more than your son. And every once in a while when um, there, there's a bump in the road, uh, Bantam, minor midget, where OHL, wherever it may be, where that player is slumping or the coach just plain doesn't like them, you know, um, it's not pick up, take your ball and go home. It's, you know, grind through it learn from it, you know, figure out the reasons why, encourage your players to go or sons to go or daughters to go and talk to the coach to figure it out um, and um, learn from it. And those players will end up being um, better players down the road for enduring some adversity um, early rather than never getting it and walking into a Mack truck when they're 22 years old. Uh, <laughs> it's and true. That, that happens, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so true. You know, and, and, but it, it, if you have an asshole coach, it's okay. I mean, it's not fun, but it's okay. It's not going to ruin your kid's life. If it, if, if you have a, uh, if you miss a couple shifts, like, hey, I'm a hockey dad. I watch my son play. Of course, I think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And uh, I try to look at all his flaws and not talk to him about it too much, but try to look at his flaws. So I'm, I'm realistic about it. But when he misses a power play shift or he doesn't get what I think is uh, uh, his due, his due uh, pay dirt there, I, I, inside I sit there and go, oh, come on, man, like this is shit. But at the end of the day, it's not going to ruin his career, right? No, it won't. So long as the 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 coach is not like if if, if the coach is a bad person, then yeah. you got to step in as a parent, right? Yeah, right. Um, but if the if it's ice time, then you you the, the it's always it's great for the players to learn, even at a young age, to go and ask the coach to make the coach accountable. Hey, what do I need to do to get more ice time? You know, why don't I get the power play? You know, what are the reasons why? Right and. Yeah. You know, usually the coaches, that's how you make coaching accountable. And sometimes it's good for a parent and a, a player to have, um, you know, a meeting with a coach or two coaches and talk it out, right? Um, you know, but everything's solvable if people are seen. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah I had to bring Charlie to a coach a couple of years ago because um, they asked him to be a, he used to be a defenseman. They asked him to be a forward. And he was all pretty jacked up about it. So he goes, yeah, I'll be a forward. So then uh, halfway through the year, he, they, they said, we would like you to be a defenseman because we could use help, but it's up to you. So he, he came home. He was just a little guy with curly hair at the time. And he's like in tears. He goes, I don't know what to do because I want to help my team, uh, but I want to do the right thing. So I made him. Uh, I said, well, if you're going to make this decision, I'll go there with you, and, but you're going to have to talk to them. Right. So he went in there 
just scared shitless because there was the coach and two assistant coaches and he gave his reasons why he did it. And, uh, and then the coaches like reasoned with him. They said, okay, that's, that's really good. And they told him, Charlie, we're really proud of you because that takes a lot of guts to come here and talk to four adults like that. And I think that's a real, uh, uh, a step, it was a step in the right direction for him because it was a scary moment that he became mature and he realized, right. okay, if my mom and dad, if I, if I would have did the talking for him, that would have been easy. Right. But, mm -hmm. uh, he Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, good lesson. Good lesson. So, um, I don't know why I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I because I was talking about, uh, about talking to the coaches. <laughs> you're supposed to, you're supposed to be the talker, not me. Um, so, okay, listen, I, I know that you have to go in. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, it's good. We're, we're kind of wrapping up. If you, so if you have anything that you want to, uh, uh, say it to any, anybody, feel free. And if, 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 you're all good then we're good no hey listen you know what have fun with 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 have fun with this all these things build great um a great skill set to take to the next level of hockey or whatever you do you know interacting in locker rooms talking to coaches you know it's all a great experience um it, it makes you a better person it's 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 a great thing to do and hopefully you know some of the things we talked about today can make some of your listeners out there a little bit better and um you know leave it out there on the ice every time you go and think about why you're going to practice think about what you're going to do during the game you should know your opponents and really stay focused and you know for your six shifts of period or whatever it is you know do the best you can with it and have a lot of fun yeah last thing for you, you and i share books a lot yeah uh sometimes the kids aren't really into reading that, that many books, but uh, do you have one that uh, all parents, all coaches should read that come off the top of your, or, and players should read that come off the top of your mind? Um, yeah, probably The uh, Way of the Fight by George St. Pierre is probably one of the best books I've read on, on, on overcoming odds and becoming a champion. I would, I would tell everyone to read that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's, yeah, that's it's a great one. such such yeah. a good book. Just right. meant it to actually. So anybody that is listening to this still, um, I told Dalton to get it the other day. So he said he said actually just bring it in. So mine's all highlighted. I've read it about twenty times, and uh, most people when you recommend a book, they're like, yeah, whatever, might be good, might not. Right. Uh, he came in two days later and he goes, Andy, this is the best book I've ever seen. Oh really? Life. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, there's so many lessons like page after page. Right. No and, doubt. Yeah, and I, I, I just, gosh, I just don't, I, I can't even explain enough how, how to strengthen your mind. Like an, a biography like that uh, teaches you so many things. And, uh, and I think I suggested one to you not too long ago. It's called The Slight Edge. Okay. Yeah, phenomenal. I think you did. I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal book. So that's another one that I rank about that, right. at about that level. Cool. So, yeah. So, uh, Ian, thank you. All right, Parker. Yeah, I will, <laughs> I will talk to you soon. Uh, right. Everybody, this will be on the website uh, within uh, three days. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening. All right, take care. Thanks, Ian. All right, talk to you. See you, bud.